Market of Melbourne is brought to you by the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. For more online learning, visit elmud.pardes.org. This is Levi Cooper, coming to you from Pardes in Yerushalayim. I'd like to share with you a fascinating story about asking for rain. The story takes place at the beginning of the 14th century. And the hero, the tragic hero of the tale, is Rabbeinu Asher ben Yechiel, more commonly known by the acronym Rosh. Now, the Rosh was one of the great rabbis of the uh, medieval period. He wrote a number of different works, most famously a work on Halakha, and he also bequeathed a responsa on different aspects of Jewish law. In his collection of responsa, he relates the following. The year was 1313, and there was a drought. The entire winter, there was barely any rain. The community where the Rosh was living at the time, Toledo in uh, Spain, decided that they had to fast and to ask God to be merciful and to give rain. Now, traditionally, we ask for rain up until the first day of Pesach. And the Rosh was sitting on the first night of Pesach together with his children and some of his friends. And he said the following to them, you know, now would be a good time for me to mention something that has always bothered me living here in Europe. I understand that we ask for rain in the land of Israel and in the Middle East generally up until Pesach. But here, in Europe, we need rain until Shavuot. We should continue asking for rain tomorrow rather than stopping as is the tradition. Those who were sitting next to the Rosh said, that's a fantastic idea. And sure enough, the next day, in the shul, in the synagogue where the Rosh was davening, they asked for rain. Well, when, when word got out, a number of people were quite upset. Scholars, other scholars from the Toledo Jewish community, felt that the Rosh had done the wrong thing. Tradition was that we should ask for rain until Pesach. Why were they asking for rain, even though there was a drought? The Rosh didn't respond. He waited silently throughout the Chag. And then, on the day after the Chag, the day after the festival on Cholomoid, he sat down to write and explain what had happened. And the Rosh begins by saying, you know, this isn't the first time that the issue of when we ask for rain has bothered me. The truth is, I've been bothered by this for many years. The Rosh himself had been born and grew up in Ashkenaz, in Germany. And he describes how in Germany already, when, as, a, as a young scholar, he was bothered by the beginning and the end times for asking for rain. He said, in Germany, we need rain earlier than when the tradition is that we ask for it. We ask for rain from early December. We need rain 
from September. And we stop asking for rain, Pesach. But we need rain for another couple of months until Shavuot. Why are we asking for rain based on the schedule of when the Babylonian scholars needed rain? We should be asking for rain, said the Rosh, based on when we need rain. And that was something that really bothered him. He explained his opinion to his colleagues and there was no one who argued with him. They said, you know what, you're right. The prayer for rain is a prayer that you're supposed to, you're supposed to say when you need rain. But then they responded and they said, even though you're right, we shouldn't change the custom here in Germany. We should continue asking for rain even though it doesn't really make so much sense. The Rosh, as we can imagine, was rather despondent. In the year 1303, the Rosh left Germany and he travelled to Spain. On his way, he went via the south of France, Provence, and when he reached the city of Montpellier, he saw that they began asking for rain in September from the from the 7th of Cheshvan, rather than waiting until December. He was overjoyed and he said to them, this is very impressive. What about when you stop asking for rain? And they said, no, 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 we stop asking for rain, Pesach time like everybody else. He said, I gather that's because you don't need rain after Pesach. They said, no, the truth is we need rain after Pesach. So the Rosh said, so, so why don't you continue asking for rain? And they said, well, you know, we can't just change things. This is the way that the early scholars, the early wise people here in Montpellier, this is the way they decided we should act. And to change that, we would have to gather all the sages of the generation and make a change. The Rosh notes, I don't know what happened because I continued on my journey. And then when he reached Spain, he kept his mouth shut. There too he noticed they needed rain, not according to exactly the times that they were asking for rain. But he felt, perhaps as a newcomer, that he really shouldn't raise his, uh, say his opinion. And then, in 1313, the great drought, he thought, oh, this is the right time to bring forth my opinion and to suggest that we change the times and suit the times for asking for rain to the reality of Spain. The Rosh further thought to himself, you know, if I change it this year and they see that this makes sense, then perhaps next year and the year after, they'll continue to ask for rain when we really need it. Alas, his opinion was not, was not accepted. And the Rosh finishes his letter somewhat despondently, saying, even though I think we should really be asking for rain, I don't want to separate from the community. And if the majority of the sages here and the community continues to, say, to, to keep the old custom of asking for rain from December until Pesach, even though that's not when we really need rain here in 
uh, Spain. Nevertheless, I, the Rosh, will also ask for rain at that time, rather than being a separatist. The Rosh concludes this heartfelt account by saying that he's writing this on Cholomoid, the intermediate days of the festival, days we don't normally write. I'm writing this on Cholomoid, even though this isn't my custom, but this is necessary to keep the peace and to sanctify God's name. And with that, he signs off his letter. I'm fascinated by this case. The Rosh clearly made more sense than the sages of Ashkenaz, of Germany, of Provence, south of France, and of Spain. And yet, the power of the people was stronger, such that they wanted to continue the practice that they had been doing, even though it can easily be argued that that was a mistaken practice. It seems that ultimate authority over the course of Jewish law lies not in the hands of the rabbis, but in the hands of the people. That's all for now. Until next time, to the Beit Midrash! The Market of Melbourne is brought to you by the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. For more online learning, visit elmad.pardes.org.